title of the message is Grow Up. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, the title is Grow Up. <laughs> Amen. Grow up. Yeah, you know, I had a vision. Uh, I want to talk about our spiritual growth in Christ. Our spiritual growth in Christ. What that looks like and how it happens. Okay, you with me? I had a vision and the Lord put a seed in someone's heart. And you know, the, I think it's in uh, Peter talks about the imperishable seed that's planted in our heart that brings eternal life and salvation. The Lord plants his kingdom, his seed, his word in our hearts and it needs watering. It needs watering. If, you're going to, if we are going to grow in Christ, the seed must be watered. You know, uh, you get people and they, they think, well, I received Christ as my saviour, so I'm all good now. And they just go on with their life. And some of them have this idea of what we call hyper grace. Do what you want because you're under grace, which is against scripture. In Romans 6, we read, you know, should we sin more that grace may abound? So... When you receive Christ, you are receiving a seed, and that seed must be watered to grow. God wants you to grow in Christ Jesus. And spiritual growth occurs in the heart. Spiritual growth, let me say it again, is in Christ, in the heart. It's not a mere outward thing. Some people quote scriptures, they've been to Bible college, they're, they're an elder in the church, they're, they're on the board, they sing in the choir, they do all sorts of stuff. That's outward. But God looks upon the heart. Spiritual growth is in the heart it's in surrender to Christ. Uh, the more you surrender and yield to Jesus Christ, obey his word, it's like Christ grows in your heart. You spiritually are growing in your heart. Spiritual growth is not like how much you pray and fast and read the Bible and how many Bible verses you can quote and you know, that's called, people say it's their spiritual life. It's not your spiritual life. When Christ indwells you, he will produce fruit. There's a difference between you producing fruit, which is a form of religion, a shadow of religion, and Jesus Christ in you producing his will in your life and causing growth in your life. Does that make sense? You can be in a position in the church, but be distant from God. And so often people talk about burnout because their spiritual burnout is when you're doing, doing, doing things in church and so on, 
but your relationship is dying. And so you get people pulling on you, pulling on you. I want more and more and more, but inside you're shrinking. So just an aside here, ministry is about an overflow of the presence of God, of the anointing. It's not an underflow, but an overflow. Amen? So you're a steward of your life. The fact that you are here on earth, you were born, your life is a gift. You are a steward of that gift of your life. And God wants you to grow spiritually. I can't emphasize it enough. What happens in your heart is what is important because out of the heart will flow all sorts of things affecting your life around you and affecting your own body. If someone is bitter, resentful, hateful in their heart, it can cause the, the blessing of God to be removed and cause your bones to rot and cancer and arthritis and all sorts of problems and you can't sleep and all sorts of problems because there's no shalom in your heart. There's no peace. But when Jesus Christ is Lord of your heart, his presence, his anointing will begin to move, affecting people around you. His, his anointing will cut people off who are a pain in the neck. You know, it, it, the anointing, seriously, it will cut people out of your life. The anointing will gravitate people to you. The anointing will bless finances, heal marriages. The important thing is your, the condition of your heart. And you know, without a heart at peace, it cannot connect in Christ. Amen. So we read in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, for you were bought at a price. See, your life was bought by Jesus Christ. So it's like you're in a pawn shop and he came and bought you. So that means you don't belong to yourself. If you don't belong to yourself, you're a slave to Christ. If you don't belong to yourself, then you shouldn't be making your own decisions. You shouldn't be running your own life. You were bought at a price. You don't belong to yourself. Jesus Christ bought you. You, your soul, mind, body, and everything about you, if you believe in Jesus Christ has been bought by his precious blood, you now belong to him. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Turn to your neighbor and say, My spirit belongs to God, not to me. My body belongs to God, only to him. So in the verse, a couple of verses before that, he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, 
and you are not your own. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not your own. You belong to someone else. Amen. So the inward is what's important. God's looking at your heart and he wants you to grow and grow and grow and grow. Look, an unbeliever can pretend to be a Christian. And many Christians in name have no growth and even no life in Christ. You can do all the outward stuff, but it doesn't impress God. What he wants is that you surrender in your heart to him, and when you surrender to him, you, do, you are doing what he wants you to do, which is reflected in the outside of your life. In that way, we grow in Christ. Hallelujah. It's very simple. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's very simple. Make Jesus Christ Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, give up and totally surrender. Amen. So really the Christian life, all of life, is two dimensions. It's the inward dimension of your heart for the believer, your relationship with God, and then there's the outward. The outward consists of the flesh, the world, and the devil. Okay? That's it. The most important thing is your heart in Christ. Grow up into him, into the full stature of Christ. So Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the outward, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, when you're growing in Christ, you're walking not according to the way of this world, but you're walking in Christ. You're walking in the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the outside, free from the law of sin and death. So I'm free. You're free. You're free. There's these two things that are going on. There's the world, which, you know, you might have someone, maybe you've got a bad spouse, God bless you, who says you're always useless, you know, I hate you. I'm better off without you, you know, whatever. I mean, I know we get people in the meetings, that's their marriage. And that's, that's the outside. But who I am in Christ, that's not me. That's not who I am. You might reject me, but I believe the word of God that I'm accepted and loved. I'm a beloved of the Father. I'm adopted child. I am bought by his blood. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for me. My spiritual life is not going to be hindered by your opinion of me. My spiritual life is not determined by the outside. It's determined by my faith in Jesus Christ. So Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm dead to the world. 
I'm in it, but I'm dead to it. I'm living for Christ. One of the things that stage four cancer uh, did for me, uh, or you could say the, the, the process of having that disease, was that because I was so close to death, I was in the last stages of cancer, um, that it gave me a different perspective. You know, I'm just here temporarily to serve Jesus until I'm in heaven. I'm just passing through, guys. You know, I'll see you there if you're going there. You know, I'm just passing through. This world, you know, is died. I'm dead to the world, you know. I'm just living for him. I asked him that if he would heal me, if he would save me, then I'd just live for him. So, so I'm not really here. I'm just for him. Amen? So I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Amen? Turn to your neighbour and say, I'm not really here. I'm in him. I'm just passing through. See you later. <laughs> Hallelujah. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. So turn to your neighbour and say, I'm going to tell you the truth. You may not like it, but it's love. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in all things into him. Turn to your neighbour and say, grow up in everything into him who is the head. Oh, are we ready to go deeper? Or do you want something that'll just be, you know, appeal to your... You want to be tickled or you want to be slammed? <laughs> wow. Look at all these people, Sarah, just want to be slammed. <laughs> all right, let's, let's look at it again. May grow up in all things into him. Now, it's those two, two words, all things. Wow. So Jesus Christ is to be glorified in our lives in all things. Wow. Think about that. That means you can no longer hold resentment because that doesn't glorify him. That not, means you can no longer hold on to your addiction because that, no longer, that doesn't glorify him. That means you can no longer give people this cold shoulder because that, no, that doesn't glorify him. That means that the way you eat, your, the way you conduct yourself, your financial management, uh, the way you use your time, your time management... You need to, to hand it over to him because what you're doing is not glorifying him. You need to grow up in all things. Your disrespect for your boss, for your, your spouse, you know, whatever, you need to grow up in Christ in all things. Turn to your neighbour and say, I told you he was going to slam you. Ouch. <laughs> I can hear them saying ouch. <laughs> what does it mean? All things. 
So when we're growing in Christ, it means all our life is to be impacted. You know, this is absolute demonic rubbish that you grow in Christ, but it doesn't affect anything. You know, today, it's like people go to church, you can be on the worship team and you can be sleeping around and it's okay as long as you're doing, singing the songs and, and you, you smile. Uh, no problem in some churches, you know. But if we're to grow up in Christ in all things, he means what he says, all things. All things is going to affect your business, it's going to affect your attitudes. It's going to affect your time management, your finances, how you spend your money. It's going to affect everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, dear me. <laughs> Praise God. You're going to lose it all for Christ. <laughs> so growth is a personal knowledge of the Son of God. Come on, a personal knowledge. You need to know Him. Surrender to Him. Know Him. Do you know Him? That was the question that I got when I was 10 years old that absolutely shook and changed my life. My mother said, Do you know Jesus? And spiritual growth, salvation, Sanctification and growth is summed up in that question, do you know him? To what extent do you know him? Spiritual growth is going deeper and deeper in your knowledge of Christ. It's not like, well, I've got my doctrine. These are the things that I believe, all right, and this is, this is it. It's, it's not like that. You're growing in your heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, he is unlimited. He is the God who, are, who is the I am who I am. You know, how can you know all about him? We should be always growing, you know. The Holy Spirit revealing to us the word of God. And we're growing in our knowledge of him. Hallelujah. There's a guy called... Uh, Thomas Aquinas, and don't ask me when he lived because I can't remember, but it was 11th century or something, and he was a, a great theologian, and he wrote tomes, volumes and volumes of theology, but towards the end of his life, he had a revelation of Christ, and he said, all my books are like straw. When you encounter Jesus Christ, it's pivotal. It's the watershed of your life. Hallelujah. God wants, doesn't want you to have mere dry doctrine. He wants to, you to have a Holy Spirit revelation of the word of God. Ephesians 4.11. God has himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Who's the perfect man? Jesus. To the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. God wants us to spiritually grow up to be men and women of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. He wants you to be edified, to be strong. Praise God. Not only in your body, but in your heart. You know, it is God who gives the growth. It's God who gives the growth. If it is God who causes you to grow spiritually, it's God who, who saves you, it's God who cleans you up, it's God who fills you, it's God who delivers you, it's God who gives you growth, then it is grace. Your growth is not what you do only, because that's legalism, and legalism leads to condemnation, but your growth is God's work in your heart. And all you need to do is surrender to him and believe. Believe. It's grace. It's God's work in your life. Like the lady... Um, she asked for prayer for her son who was in his room, anti-God, gaming, depressed, stayed in his room almost all the time. And she believed that God would save her son. And we prayed together. The Holy Spirit came into that room and saved him. He, no one preached to him, just saved him. It was grace. It was grace. He got rid of his games and stuff, just wanted to read his Bible, talk about Jesus and pray. I mean, is that unusual for a teenager? That's grace. To grow in Christ, we need grace. You can't do it by yourself. It's a spiritual work. Amen? Amen. So grace works with us. We have our part to play. Our part is to yield ourselves and to believe. It's to obey. His part is to make it happen. Amen? Grace and faith. You believe, Lord, I believe that you're changing my heart, that you're causing me, me to grow, that you're delivering me, that you've washed me in the blood. That's faith. It's God who does his part. Amen? So Paul writes, um, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So when you're looking for increase, not only in your spiritual life, but you know, in, in might be in your business or whatever, put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's God who exalts. It's God who gives the increase. Just believe. Just believe. Praise God. So spiritual growth involves taking responsibility for your life. Taking responsibility for everything in your life means that you stop blaming the demons. It means that you stop blaming your circumstance. It means you stop blaming other people. You stop blaming the generational curse. You stop blaming your family upbringing. And you stop making excuses, miserable, self-centered excuses. And you get real with God and you take responsibility. You say, Lord, 
this is my problem. This, these are the mistakes I'm making. This is where I'm falling short of the standards of God's word. I'm sorry, I take responsibility. Now, Lord, you help me, and I believe that you will. That's called repentance. There's so much blaming. People blame everything, you know. You blame your parents, you blame your brother's sister, you blame the boss, you blame this. Never take responsibility. You'll never grow that way. Turn to your neighbor and say, just grow up. Take responsibility. Stop making excuses. Amen. Praise God. To live in Christ is spiritual growth. To live in Christ, you must die to yourself. There's no growth and no life in Christ without a crucifixion of the self, of the flesh. You know? God wants your growth in every area of your life. He intently, intensely loves you and wants the best the best is yet to come. The best is coming. But you have to yield. So let's um, look at just some of the ways that he brings growth, all right? Some of the tools he uses. I, I was thinking about this and... I think one of the most important things for spiritual growth is to be constantly in the anointing. You need the Holy Spirit. Absolutely believe it. You know, when Peter preached, when, you know, in, in the book of Acts and Paul, and, and, you know, they were in the midst of a very, very flesh centered, pleasure seeking Roman government, you know and orgies and all sorts of stuff was going on. And when people gave their lives to Christ, the first thing they did was not a discipleship program. It was, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because they knew if the Holy Spirit got a hold of a person, the Holy Spirit would set them on fire, a holy fire for Jesus. And they would preach the gospel and they would be martyred and they'd die to the flesh. They'd give away their possessions because the Holy Spirit got hold of them. The most important thing to grow in Christ is, I believe, to be in the Holy Spirit, to be in the rain and stay in the rain, stay in the anointing. If you are in a church that deliberately avoids the anointing, you will not, it's very difficult to grow. Everything seems to, to spiritually die, you know. You need, you need to be somewhere where, the, where it's raining. Amen. Amen. I'm just telling you the truth, you know. And, and look, shall we go on and tell you a bit more truth? Because I've walked into churches and people are like, oh, isn't this great? Oh, this is awesome, you know. And I'm looking around and... Where's the presence of God? It's as dead as dead in here. And yet, oh, the music is great and, you know, and everyone's hyped up, you know. I went to one church and, and the, the worship leader was, you know, 
dancing on the stage and really energetic and people are like, this is fantastic. So I walked up to her and said, tell me, because of your childhood and because you feel rejected, that's the way you behave on stage. And she said, yeah, that's true. People were just like, oh, isn't this the presence of God? And it was all fake. It was all trying to present a persona. But it didn't come from the heart. You know, so people go into churches and they're like, ah, oh, the anointing is fantastic, you know. But is God really there? Are you really discerning, you know? So I'm just being honest with you. If you want to grow in Christ, get in the anointing. You know, praise God. You know, my own personal experience, personal life is, you know, as I don't, I, I, I'm gone so much that, I, you know, it's hard to be part of a local church. And there are other reasons why it's hard for me. I, I walked into Ifo's church just to sit down and enjoy. Where's Ifo? Yeah, bless you, brother. Walked into his church and he got up and said, oh, Mark's here today. Mark, get up and preach. I said to the pastor, is this all right with you? You know, so it's a little bit difficult for me at times. Uh, but but I, I'm, I, I try to spend time uh, watching online the anointing. Miracles, raising the dead, anointed preaching, you know. And I have people that I watch and, uh, and it, it blesses me, you know. So... You know, what do you do with your time? The most important thing, I was talking to a businessman um, some years ago and, and he said, oh, I'm struggling and so on. I said, I said to him, I pleaded with him. I said to him, you need to be in the anointing. The anointing will prosper you. But um, he wouldn't accept it. And, you know, and years went by and I talked to him about a year ago, he said, oh, Mark, I was involved in the company and they were liars. They called themselves Christians, but they were liars. And uh, it cost me thousands and thousands. And, you know, stay in the anointing. Because in, in the presence of God, there's great blessing, you know. Amen. Amen. So stay in the anointing. Yield your life to the Holy Spirit. The Word of God, the Word of God will press, prosper you, you know. Let the Word abide in your heart. And, you know, the Word, it, when you have to combine the Word with the Holy Spirit. The Word is inseparable from the Holy Spirit. So, but if you just, you know, if you just like take the Word by itself, you know, you'll have head knowledge but no heart change. You'll have head knowledge, but no heart change. So you allow the, the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit, come, teach me through your word. And the, and the word of God will come alive. Hallelujah. And it will become riches to you. It'll become like bread to you, sustenance, strength, river, you know, life. That's what you need. Praise God. Tell you a secret. When you're persecuted, when you're having problems, when people slander you, all sorts of stuff's going on. What should your response be? Meditate in the word. It will build you, reinforce you. 
strengthen you. Just meditate in the word, in the spirit of God. You'll grow. You'll grow. Amen? Because the devil, he brings stuff against you to separate you from the word. You know, oh, I'm so discouraged. Does God really care? I'm not going to read my Bible today. You know, have spiritual disciplines. So yes, growth is from grace, but God uses your part. So spiritual discipline, set aside time to read the word, meditate on the word, prayer. Prayer and the word, they go hand in hand. Pray the word, pray the word, and you'll grow. Amen? All scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired is very similar to the Hebrew word where God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he received life. So the word of God is... It's got the breath of life. But when you read it without the Holy Spirit, you're just reading words like a novel, a book. But this breath of life can come into you as you meditate on it. It's inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You can't grow without the word. Hallelujah. So turn to your neighbor and say, what's your spiritual discipline? Do you have a spiritual discipline about reading the word? You need one. A Bible plan, you know? Praise God. I got mine from Bill Sabritsky about 30 years ago, still using it. Hallelujah. A little, uh, praise God. If there's no word in your life, if there's no word in your life, then you'll be shriveled up, underweight, malnourished, fam famished, dried out. Thank you. Praise God. Jesus told a parable about the sower in Matthew 13, verse 23, and some seed fell on good soil. Remember the vision I shared about the seed in the heart? But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. It's the Holy Spirit who will give you understanding. Understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces. Everyone say produces. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. Amen. So the extent that you produce in your spiritual life is ordained by God. Some are 100, some 60, and some 30, all right? So that's why we should not compare ourselves to other people and other ministries. God has ordained your crop, and he wants to, you to have it in its fullness, whether it's 100-fold, 60, or 30. Amen? Then one of the tools that God uses for you to grow is the works of the word. The word works effectively in you who believe. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. The word works powerfully. It's a weapon. And when you meditate on what the word does, on miracles and healings and deliverance and every type of blessing that God does, 
there's something that will happen. It's hard to explain in preaching what happens, but you can receive an impartation. The Holy Spirit that's happening in that testimony will come on you and do the same thing. You can watch Catherine Kuhlman and that anointing will come on you. Hallelujah. From the 1960s or something. Right? You can get blessed with the same blessing. That's why we have people who write on YouTube and write in and saying, I was watching you. We had a lady um, who lives not far from me, Menor. Uh, in Sydney and she said I had a very bad back and you were praying for people and it was an old clip from several years ago and the power of God came on my back and healed me I had a very bad back she was on a disability pension or something so meditating on the works of God it will also build your faith you ever seen someone raised from the dead well just go watch some videos on it and you, after a while if you watch enough you're like oh well, that's, that's not unusual, you know. You ever seen someone healed of dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, blindness, deafness? Well, if you just watch, you, your faith will be edified. Amen? You, God wants you to grow in your faith. First here, then there, then the full head. Amen? Meditate on the works of God. God also uses times of trial and affliction to bring growth. So instead of whinging, complaining, oh, this has happened to me, give thanks to God because he uses it to build character. He uses problems and problematic people and so on, sickness, whatever. I mean, all this stuff is from the devil, but God's greater than the devil, and he will use what the enemy is doing, what demons are doing, to sanctify you, to cause you to be patient, loving, and tolerant of people. Amen? So when things happen, give him thanks and praise. This is an opportunity for you to grow in Christ Jesus. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't whinge, you're growing. <laughs> praise God. Another instrument he uses is the body of Christ. Very important as Christians that we're in the body of Christ. Now, by that, that will mean different things for different people. Some people are in a house church. Um, I have uh, godly people that I associate with. Okay, they're my body of Christ. Okay, uh, a couple of people uh, in the UK. You know, I have different people in my life that speaking to me, okay? So the body of Christ for you might be a physical church, it might be a house church, it might be an online group or something. But God uses the body of Christ. He's placed you in the body. Don't be a lone ranger, amen? So when you're in the body and you get to know people, then you become accountable. Some will say, well, you need to really work on this, you know? You really need to, this is something you need to work on. And you can either buck the system and, and say, mind your own business, or you can say, okay, I want to surrender that area of my life to the Lord. And God will use people to bring instruction, correction to your life. And instead of getting your back up and you know, be, being arrogant and shut up, 
I'm not interested. I'm leaving your church. I'm offended. Instead, say, okay, I'm going to pray about that. Okay? God can use even your enemies to instruct you. You should be open. All right? Even your enemies he might use. He can use a donkey. Praise God. Amen. And finally, finally, you know, some people say, you know when a preacher's lying when he says finally and keeps going. <laughs> Hallelujah. You will grow where God has planted you. What is God's purpose for your life? What has he destined you to do? What are the good works he's planned for you? Plant yourself in his will. You will grow in his will. But if you're like, well, no, no, I don't want to do that. You know. How are you going to grow apart from his will? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. In our hearts, may his kingdom come. May his will be done. You will grow where he plants you. Amen.